Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. If you all are enjoying your day, sweet. If not, whatever. Now, back to WWE Saturday Morning Slam Review, September 22nd, 2012. Oh, this is like, what, the fifth episode that I'm reviewing now? Yeah, I believe so, somewhere like that. So they're automatically starting off by saying, hey, we're going to be focusing on the Intercontinental Championship even though there isn't a lot that you can focus on in half an hour. And the spotlight at the beginning shows the freaking highlight package with The Miz showing some of his quotes, saying, hey, he's been Intercontinental Champion, he's been U.S. Champion, he's been WWE Champion. It's like, okay, so what? This is supposed to be about the Intercontinental Championship. You don't have to bring up other championships, because that's not what the episode's supposed to be about, according to what the announcer said right before you play the video package. But now... Right after that, because thankfully this did not last so long, we get one of the special Fave Fives by saying that, hey, we got our Fave Five choices of best Intercontinental Champions of all time. First option number that they give, Pat Patterson, the first Intercontinental Champion. He won this fictional tournament in Rio de Janeiro, which is a place he could not freaking pronounce. Other than that, what else do you really remember about Pat Patterson being Intercontinental Champion other than he was the first champion and he won it under bullshit circumstances? Oh, I won the Thunder of the Scrape. I'm probably not even doing a French accent, probably, and I don't care. That's all you remember. Next one, Chris Jericho. Of course he's going to be on the list. Nine-time Intercontinental Champion. The only person that's close to tying his record as we speak is The Miz. But nighttime champion, and thankfully they were showing footage from the Attitude Era, so the WWF Scratch logo was not being censored out because they had to deal with the World Wildlife Fund a couple months prior, so they didn't have to get picky with censorship and editing with the, some of the footage for Jericho. Number three, I was surprised to see this on the list, Ultimate Warrior. Because I believe, I don't know if WWE was even on good terms with Warrior just yet, because I know they were in the time for him to... Be part of WWE 2K14's promotional stuff the year after, and then coming back for the Hall of Fame before he passed away, but it's like, they really actually praised him in 2012? Like, holy cow. I thought they would have put Mr. Perfect on the list. Number two, the man who still has the single longest Intercontinental Championship reign in history, the Honka Tonka Man. Yeah, Honka Tonk Man. Elvis impersonator. It's like, yeah, he's been champ- he was champion for too fucking long, whatever. And then number one, which is a bit of a surprise for me, just because this man was like, what, a one or two time Intercontinental Champion, and that was it. Macho Man Randy Savage. And of course, they bring him up because, hey, the incredible match at WrestleMania 3 he had against Ricky Steamboat is like, okay, yeah, that was an incredible match. But you only remember him being Intercontinental Champion in, the lo- like, in retrospect because of that match. It's not like he had, like, the longest reign ever or most reigns or, like, that many memorable matches during that time period, to be honest. Like, really, do you anybody remember, does anybody remember any other memorable matches that Savage had during that Intercontinental Championship run that he had up to WrestleMania 3? Because I honestly can't remember anything outside of the match with Steamboat. That's it. Maybe he had a watchable match or two elsewhere, but it's just like I don't remember anything else being memorable to put him on this list. No disrespect to Savage, I'm just saying. Okay? Now, another issue that I brought up before. They do the pop quiz segment, and it's about something that is outside of what the demographic is going to know. So this time, last time it was being asked about who freaking bought WC or ECW as part of the Invasion storyline. No, no, no. It was either that or who freaking was at the beginning of the 
Invasion Takeover back in 2001. And now they're asking by CM Punk, who did Macho Man Randy Savage defeat at WrestleMania 4 to become WWF Champion? A. Hulk Hogan. B. Andre the Giant. Or C. Ted DiBiase. Was little Jimmy not one of those fucking answers? Yeah, a kid who's going to be like seven years old or something by the time this episode is airing is going to know something that happened almost 30 years prior. Or 25 to nearly 30 years prior, but still. Kids are not going to know this! Ask him, like, what is Santino Morella, the name of Santino Morella's finisher? That'll give you something. What is Zack Ryder's freaking catchphrase? Say something that kids are actually going to know. Something that happens within their time. But no. Now we get the one match of the night, or the episode, William Regal versus Zack Ryder, and for some reason we have Santino Morella on commentary. Again. Oh my god. So, like, even right off the bat, like, Regal's trying to hush the crowd because they're doing the whole woo-woo-woo, you know a chance. And he's even insulted by Ryder by offering a, for being offered a fist bump. It's like, how dare you, sir? Like, what? Did he flip you the bird? Did he say, up yours? No, he's offering a fist bump there. And they even stall right at the beginning of the time, too, by posing to the crowd, seeing who's getting the reaction. Ryder, yay, William Regal with his hand up. Boo. It's like, freaking Russell plays. So, of course, we have that rule saying that they can't keep focusing on head and neck areas. So, for the entire match, you keep seeing both men trading wrist locks and rest holds to the arms. And right at the beginning, Regal takes Ryder down and holds his arm a little bit. And instead of capitalizing, he's just screaming at freaking Santino Morelli. He's like, look, I got him. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. It, like, really? Instead of focusing on your match, you're going to argue against a guy who's got the worst finisher in wrestling history? Over whether or not you've got Zack Ryder right there. And that almost cost him the match because he got rolled up afterwards for an earfall. In the majority of the match, you just keep seeing just the same thing. Wrist locks and arm holds and switching and reversals of that. The closest thing you had to offense upon that was right before the break, Ryder gets a drop kick to Regal, which sends him into the corner. He's going to go for that broski boot, but then Regal rolls out of the ring because you can't do that move. Otherwise, we have to do a camera cut. And that leads in the commercial. You get back from break, Regal's on the apron and gets snapmared back into the ring. So it's like, was he out there in the freaking, on the ring, ringside area the whole time arguing with Santino during the commercial break or something? So they're, like, they're back in the ring, again, still working on each other's arms, wrist locks and reversals. Regal, all of a sudden the match ends out of nowhere because Ryder reverses a wrist lock from Regal into a monkey flip. Dropkick gets a camera cut, run cross body for near fall, and then all of a sudden, Rough Rider out of nowhere! With again, a camera cut. Because, oh shit, his move hits the opponent's head. Quick, show Santino! I don't want to see that, I'd rather see freaking head trauma. <laughs> it was it, it was just finish out of nowhere. It's almost like they were running low on time, hurry, just freaking pin him. Boom, that's it. And that's all you had. Like, the match was nothing special, again, they were just padding time with switching freaking ugh. it was just trading rest holds like it worked for when regal does it in an actual match because you have the regal stretch at least to something like you saw the wrestlemania 17 against chris jericho but this was just stalling for time because they're so limited on what they can do in the ring because oh it's got to be tvg don't hit the head don't hit the neck instead we're gonna have to edit that out damn it Ugh, so that match, it's probably the lamest match we've seen so far. 
even lamer than the match that Brodus Clay had. Now, after this, they do a whole promo video package talking about Make-A-Wish and John Cena's doing the voiceover. And the only nice thing that they mentioned that was new was how the whole Make-A-Wish Foundation started, saying that there was some young kid who wanted to be a police officer for a day. And then they're showing all the footage of all the superstars granting wishes and meeting fans and everybody's happy to see John Cena he's a real-life superhero. I mean, of course, they're going to do that because he's the poster boy. More Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes and all that shit more than anybody else. Oh yeah, and then afterwards, we get the pop quiz answer. It's Teddy DiBiase. He's the one that Savage beat at WrestleMania 4 to become become WWF champion. But again, this also begs the question, if the whole theme is supposed to be about Intercontinental Champions and Championship, why is your pop quiz about the WWF Championship? I mean, I would have also asked that about the Intercontinental Champion, or the match that you saw between Regal and Ryder, because Ryder hadn't become Intercontinental Champion yet, but... We just needed a match, but this question just didn't fit the theme. Now, we get a preview for the next episode saying, Hey, next week, we got two special things. Next week, is going to be Family Health and Fitness Day for Saturday Morning Slam. Yawn. And, oh, John Cena, the larger-than-life real-life superhero, is going to be here on Saturday Morning Slam. It's like, oh, kill me. And now to close the show, we go back to The Miz... They decide, hey, he's going to give you five pointers on being awesome. Ugh, and there's a botch in all this. Number one, dress the part. You got to dress like a champion to look like one. Well, then explain how you dressed to WrestleMania 27. You didn't even wear pants, and you had this extensively long trench coat that you probably bought from Wish.com thinking you were going to look like Edge. No. Two, Walk the part. You gotta walk like you have a string that's attached to your head that's being pulled as and connected there, just constantly being yanked on while you walk down to the ring. So yeah, you gotta walk like you're a puppet. Stupid. Number three, listen to the naysayers. Now when I first heard this, I was thinking, wait, what if your naysayers are trolls? You really listen to them? He's like, no, you gotta prove the haters wrong. It's like, okay. But then he's also telling the fans, it's like, you're better than that, you're showing that, like, you're supposed to be a heel, you moron, you don't encourage the audience, you make them hate you, dumb shit. Number four, one that I really questioned, be loud, be heard, talk like a star, and if you're not heard, nobody's listening. Hopefully kids are not going to listen to that advice and use it as an excuse to be loud as fuck next time I go out to eat and they're screaming the top of their heads off because their freaking chicken nugget meal is doesn't have dipping sauce with it, to the point where they're like, ah, and then I got to Trying to freaking grab my earphone or head plug. Ah, earphones, head plugs, my, just get my pixel buds and put in my ears and put my music on full blast so I don't have to hear. Ah, little Timmy getting pissed off and the family not doing anything. And then they say, oh, but the man said be loud, be heard. And it's like, yeah, well, guess what? You know what other people also say? Five fingers to the face. <laughs> Fuck you, kid. And now the last part, which was a botch. At the end, he's saying be awesome. But on the graphic they showed, instead of saying tip five, because there are five tips... It says tip six. So what is the fifth tip? You're supposed to give five tips, but your fifth tip says tip six. So what's the fifth tip overall? Dress apart, walk apart, listen to the naysayers, be lobby heard, and then be awesome. Like, who the freak edited this? The, like, somebody had to have seen this and realized the number was freaking wrong. Kids, I know kids can not be the most intelligent... It, like a generation and all that shit but at least kids know when numbers are right i mean unless kids didn't give a shit 
so it's like that was uh, that was it. Like talk about the Intercontinental Championship, Ryder and Regal trading rest holds, make a wish, and then somebody in production can't count. Like what the fuck? So anyway, let me know what you all thought in the comment section below what you thought of this episode of Saturday Morning Slam. I am not anticipating the next episode just because of the theme. I mean, we had better. It was better when we had to do the whole back to school stuff and everything. Talk about Sandow giving lessons about different words and Cesaro trying to teach people all their languages. So, if you guys enjoyed today's episode, please remember to leave a like, comment what you thought below, subscribe if you're with the bell turned on if you're listening to this on YouTube, or follow if you're listening to this on any other service, and I'll catch you all next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace out, and I'm going to go make a wish next time I look at my fridge that there is going to be a shitload of beer in there next time I open it up.